Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Hey, Paul, how you doing? I am doing well. How about yourself? I am dandy. It's uh, it's been a good weekend for uh, for or a good week, I should say, for programming. I really enjoyed me some Mandalorian this week, and I uh, I got inspired by uh, showrunner Terry Metalis on uh, you know Star Trek Picard and started watching his television series Twelve Monkeys. Um, which is surprisingly good. I'm enjoying it rather a lot. Now, I'm very early in. I just started uh, Saturday morning, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I have not seen this week's Mandalorian, so I do not want any spoilers, Aaron. You Zero. haven't seen Mando yet. I have not seen this man, week's I'm Mando. I'm so glad you said something because, man, I was about to I was about to drop drop a big Mando bomb on you. So. Oh, there's a bomb. A bomb there's occurs. A, a, a Mando bomb. So, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I got I, to, I, all I will say about this week is I didn't see it coming. Hmm. I didn't see it coming. That's all hmm. I'll say. Well, that that that's going to be the theme of some things we watched this week. I think. right. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. But you know, Paul, it's been a good week for content, not the least of which Star Trek comic books. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, we had a number of comic books released this week. I don't know that all of them were good. We're going to talk about that here in a agreed, second. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I of the 3, my favorite, I'm just going to I'm going to spoil it right now. Star Trek Resurgence. Really? Still. Okay. God, I tell you this this book is great. And you know, it's a it's a lead in to a video game series. In fact, you know, it it tells you at the end, you know, for more about these characters, check out Star Trek Resurgence, you know, and gives you all the details about the video game that's up and coming. But this book isn't a cliffhanger. You're right. I mean, there's there's still more stories to tell with this crew, but this is you know self-contained. It's issues one through five tells a full and complete story. I felt like a really uh, uh, complete story. I didn't feel like there were any danglers to lure me over into the video game. Uh, I dug this series quite a lot. I thought the characters were really well portrayed. Uh, it made me hate Leah Brahms. I feel like that was the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it introduced a, a whole new. Com- I mean, the only carryover character in this book is Leah Brahms, and then also uh, Jono from uh, an earlier episode of The Next Generation, and that's it. No, you none of the main crew in this, so they can be just as terrible to them as they want to be, because they don't have to carry them all over to another property. I dug this book a lot, and I, I think it's beautifully drawn. The there is. A ship does a saucer separation, and so you have you know the saucer section and the star drive, and the illustrations of the star drive coming around to attack 
uh, were just beautifully drawn. I'm just very taken with the way uh, the artist on this book, and I'll flip over to who that is. One moment, please. The uh, artwork is by uh, Josh Hood. Uh, who I'm not familiar with, but just does beautiful work here. Story written by Andrew Grant and Dan Martin, and they just did a a marvelous job. I dug this quite a bit. Would love to see more comic book stories with these characters, because I'm never going to play this game. Uh, No. And it's not, I'm not disparaging the game. If I was someone who played video games, I'd be all over it. I just don't have time for video games. But boy, I loved this book a a great deal. I thought it was a lot of fun. So it sounds like it ended strong, it sounds like. It did. It did. And, and, you know, it was strong throughout. I thought thought it was a really good series. Uh, An ad that appears in all the Star Trek comics that came out this week is for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Dog of War. Featuring a corgi. <laughs> Can I just see how ridiculous <laughs> that book looks? I was like, but, wait, you know, what? Trouble strikes when Quark obtains a rare purebred corgi along with a hidden Borg component. Tell me this dog will not be called a Borgi. You know the dog will be called a Borgi. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, okay, that seems like a dumb idea for a book, but uh-huh. it could be a fun, funny one-shot. No, Aaron, it's a miniseries. Uh-huh. uh-huh. They, they, they are milk. I don't know. I'm just like, huh. Yeah. That, 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 that got all the way from idea to realization. Well, you know, they're calling it, uh, you know, don't miss out on this exclusive lost episode celebrating the 30th anniversary of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I would be very curious to know if this was actually an episode that was pitched in the room at some point, or if this is just, hey, we're going to pretend like this happened in seventh season before the, the show, you know, wrapped up. Yeah. You know, but I I laughed when I saw it. You know, we've got a mutual friend who uh, is crazy about his corgi, and so I immediately shared the the image with him. (laughs) It is certainly an interesting idea. (laughs) Is it, Paul? Is it an interesting idea? Are we not picking up the first issue, Aaron? Totally, I am picking up the first issue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I will probably pick up issue the remaining issues. No, I make no commitments. I I, I make zero commitments beyond that first issue. Well, uh, along those lines, uh, Star Trek issue number five came out this week. Tell us about Star Trek issue number five, Paul. Um, you know, Aaron, I'm. I'm going to jump straight into the uh, the uh, opinion piece of this. So basically, this continues. Let me, let me no. I'll start a little bit of summary. So you know the the crew that Cisco has put together um, on the USS Theseus has discovered that Kalos, the Eternal Emperor, or the clone of the Eternal Emperor of the Klingon Empire, is murdering godlike beings, and they have tracked. Um, him to the god city of Takan, where he is, you know, ready to 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 attack the god city, and they are trying to stop him. Um, and you know, Kalos's forces have stormed the Theseus. You know, they, they're they're attacking the the crew. Um, meanwhile, there's a space battle going on, and they're trying to prevent him from attacking the god city. And Aaron, this this issue was terrible. Uh-huh. I found this issue damn near unreadable. Um, at one point, Alexander, Worf's son, makes an appearance, attacks Worf, and he, and he, he gets the better of Worf, you know, not, you know, in the battle. And on the very next page, Worf says, 
the borders have been repelled. I'm like, wait, yeah. did, I, did I miss something? Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, the fuck? Yeah, I turned back, and it was that freaking god of dog of war ad. Uh-huh. I'm like, <laughs> wait, how, when did they get repelled? Because last I saw Alexander beat Worf. Did he just leave after that? Uh-huh. It, the, the storytelling in this issue was terrible. Uh-huh. Um, the, 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 it was very hard to comprehend what was actually going on. And I, there, there was a different artist on, on this issue, I, I believe. The, the art seemed different anyway. Um, characters had a little bit more of their likeness, so I'll give them that. R- Ramon Rosanas and Eric Tamayo were the artists on this issue. But I really struggled to follow what was actually going on in this book, I got to admit. Well, and I I have a I agree with you. It felt like there was a page or two missing from that because, you know, there is you've got Worf looking down the business end of Alexander's blade, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, okay, they're off the ship, you know. Yeah, so, and Worf's like, "Hey, I repelled them." I'm like, you did. But dick. but what bothered me <laughs> even more is the thing some reboots do that they take you back to an earlier period in someone's relationship instead of picking it up uh, where it left off. Because when we left Worf and Alexander in Deep Space Nine, the two of them had uh, had rehabilitated their relationship. You know, they were in a good place. You know, Alexander was thriving within the Klingon military. Uh, he and his father were close. But, you know, this takes it back almost to like, you know, Jadzia had never intervened on their behalf, right? You know, it is very much, you know, as if there had been no reconciliation between these two characters. And that shit pisses me off. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just like, why are we picking it up from from a story uh, that has already been resolved? Why are we doing this? Why don't we tell something a little bit more interesting about these two guys having a relationship? Maybe Alexander is a plant on the, you know, on the Emperor's ship. Well, right? to be fair, we don't know that Maybe. he's not. Well, that's true, but that's, like, you know, the, the exchange between the characters sure does make it seem like, you know... Nothing has passed. And still, you know, the way Worf is is pushed out of this series and into his own sure makes it seem like the there is a rift between he and his son. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, there, all you're doing is playing tricks with your with your readership at this point. If Alexander truly is a mole within the emperor's operation. That said, you know, Worf coming out and disobeying Cisco in the final moments of this book and, you know, halting Cisco's efforts to, you know, blow up Kalos's ship that really bugged me. And I get, you know, his son's on that ship, but that really bugged me. Yeah. And, and then for him to just fall ass backwards into, you know, meeting up with Spock, but I guess that is very Star Trek 2009. Uh, <laughs> him falling ass backwards, running into Spock, Spock helping him, you know, I'm sorry, I'm jumping over into the next book. Yeah, so now we're talking about Star Trek Defiant issue one. Yeah. And so Star Trek Defiant issue one starts off with, you know, uh, Worf commanding the Defiant from Deep Space Nine that he and Spock and a few others hijack uh, to continue their side of the mission against Kalos. I'm not under I, I, I am I'm struggling to understand why they thought this was needed to be two series. Well, I mean, it's only one issue, right? So I, I, right. I, I guess we'll give it time. Now, that being said, I will say, and perhaps it was because the, 
the, the taste in my mouth was so sour from Star Trek issue five. I actually yeah. quite enjoyed Star Trek Defiant issue one. Oh, I thought it was a better book. Yeah. I, but, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I think about this. I mean, you've got his crew, uh, Worf's crew, is uh, Belana Torres, right? You know, uh, her yeah. husband is Tom Paris, who is over in the main Star Trek book. So that's weird. Um, <laughs> you've got, but I think it makes sense to have the two Klingons on, on the same ship since they're going up against Kalos and, you know, his renegade Klingons. You've got Mr. Spock. You've got Lore for some reason. Uh, you know, Data's, uh, evil brother. Um, who else? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else on this ship? Ro. Oh, yeah. Ro Laren, who, you know, by the way, surprise, makes an appearance in this week's Star Trek Picard. So that is uh, nicely timed. Yeah. So, yeah. So you liked Defiant. Tell me what you liked about Defiant, Paul. Uh, You know, Christopher Canwell writes this book. Mm -hmm. So in addition to better art, um, I found (laughs) the story much more comprehensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I I understood what was going on. Yeah. it, it, it was a better written book. So the art is by Angel Unzueta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a bit more what I would expect from the type of, from, you know, books that are based on movies or, or TV shows, right? The, a little bit more of the character likenesses, um, you know, things like that. So I, I, I liked that about it. Um, it helped me understand what the hell happened at the end of the, the Star Trek issue. Right, five. right. Um, so, you know, and Christopher Cantwell, he's a pretty solid writer. So I, I think, you know, I, I like that. I To your point, I'm still, it still feels a little jarring that, you know, this just kind of spun off of the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the idea, and I'm, 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 I'm assuming what basically is going to happen is, you know, that defy, you know, that these two books will ultimately, you know, so because the Theseus is changing, is chasing, um, Kalos, who's ready to attack Earth. I'm assuming this is basically going to be about Worf, you know, trying to save Alexander. You know, I, I don't know how that works beyond a small miniseries or a couple of issues, but, right. you know, I, I'm assuming it'll probably lead into, okay, this is Worf's crew, this is, you know, the Cisco's crew, at some point there'll be a crossover. Um, this crew is a little less interesting to me, mm-hmm. um, just from a character standpoint, but again, it's it's just issue one. Well, and I will say I've never been a big fan of Belana Torres. Um, yeah. I just I don't think they ever really did anything interesting with her character. I'll be curious to see if they do something interesting with her character here. But uh, I do, you know, Worf is one of my favorite Star Trek characters. I love Ro Laren. Um, I'm I I I think that Spock is a weird addition to this crew. Yeah, but I felt like Scotty was a weird addition to the other crew. But yeah, Spock definitely. And this is. This is well. There's only one Spock. Well, no, there's two Spocks. But no, this is this is regular Spock. This is post Next Generation Spock. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is uh, pre 2009 Spock, but uh, he is the Spock we know from the original series. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get those things out. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of Spock. Yeah. <laughs> you got to you got to figure that out. Well, and the thing with Roe, you know, Roe Ro Laren, they don't really address her by name. No. So this this book definitely speaks to the choir. Mm-hmm. You got to know who, I mean, okay, who's this, um, what's her, what's her race? Bajoran. Bajoran. Here's this Bajoran with, you know, the red bandana. You just got to know it's Roe, right? Because, I mean, it, that's where the likenesses help. Yeah. Because I think she's, I mean, I think we're like five pages in before someone even says Roe, if right. they ever do. Right. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I like Roe. I really, you know, I trust Christopher Cantwell. Let me just be be clear on that. I mean, he's a great he's a great comic book writer, and you know, I, I do trust him. You're right. I mean, the this book was much more coherent mm-hmm. than Star Trek Number Five. Um, I, I've got big hopes for this book. I was immediately amused, though, that, you know, here these guys are working outside of Starfleet, and so they immediately put on non-Starfleet uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're like kind of black ops uniforms. Mm-hmm. Kind of amused by that. I mean, why not just show up to the bridge in your blue jeans, you know? <laughs> what I found interesting is that the, the final two pages of the book are both full-page spreads. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's an interesting design choice. I found the inclusion of the ads in all three St- Star Trek books this week, and their, excuse me, their placement in between the story, was disorienting. Yeah, I, every time I got to one of those, you know, uh, dog of war. <laughs> well, I got to a break. And I'm like, is this? Did I finish already? Am I done? And you're like, oh no, there's more story behind this. I'm just not used to that in my digital comics anymore. Yeah. Um, I wish that they'd push all of that stuff to the back because I find it disruptive to the to the reading flow. Well, and I will say I don't love the you know because these are these books are definitely going for like a house style, right? Right. Which is and they they include prose pages. Um, yeah. Kind of getting you caught up on here's what happened off screen or here's you know here's the captain's log. Um, I don't love their inclusion. I don't either. I, fi- I find those disruptive as well, and I'm not finding that they're including anything pertinent to the story. Yeah, exactly. I don't find I don't find like they're actually doing anything that is right. that I'm not already getting. Yeah, no, completely agree. Because you know, I'll go, okay, let me read this. There's probably something important here. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Could have just kept reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's some flavor text, uh, but it, it's not driving the story forward in any way, shape, or form. Yep, agreed. But. But yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm going to continue reading uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Defiant. Um, I am <laughs> I am actually a little interested in uh, you know the Deep Space Nine Borgie comic. The uh, Borgie. I'll give the Borgie <laughs> one issue. One issue. <laughs> he is good boy of Borg. <laughs> Lost episode. I think uh, that's hysterical. Five issues. Five yeah. issues about the Borgie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great, Paul. You're going to love it. <laughs> you know the sad thing is? If it's the best Star Trek series. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That'd, that'd be great. Know. That'd be great. Well, uh, I got to tell you, uh, keeping with our theme, I didn't see this week coming on uh, Star Trek Picard. Right. Star Trek Picard episode five, Imposters. Yeah, we're halfway correct? through. Yeah. Uh, and that upsets me because I am really enjoying Star Trek Picard. But, uh, you know, we, we kick off uh, this week's episode with Mr. Jack Crusher having some uh, some bad some bad nightmares. Some or, Stranger Things-esque visions. That's right. That's right. He's he's visiting the down under or the upside down. The upside down. He's not going to Australia. He's going to the upside down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's having these sort of murder dreams where he kills everybody on the bridge. And, you know, all of this looks bad, but, uh, you know, there in the real life, Captain Shaw has uh, regained command of a ship. You know, Riker has turned over the controls. And, you know, 
I think it's important to take a step back and say, you know, how much I disliked Captain Shaw in the first two episodes of this season. Mm -hmm. And once they revealed why he was such a douchebag, uh, I'm, I really like him. I, <laughs> I, I can't believe they've made that turn for me because I significantly dislike yeah. this guy. And uh, now, I mean, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you guys a couple of minutes to get your story straight. Yeah. You know, exits the room. I'm like, that's hysterical. I love yeah. that. That was yeah. pretty funny. He's you know, They're like, yeah. oh, I guess we'll notify Starfleet. He's like, well, I already did. They're on their way. <laughs> get your shit straight. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, and I love how he re he's like, do you want to, do you want to, he says to Seven, you know, do you want to take this instated or uninstated? Yeah, reinstated or, or, or uh, uninstated. And she's like, uh, reinstated. And so instead of, you know, uh, computer, you know, uh, reinstate all, co- you know, um, Commander Seven's command codes, you know, very proper Starfleet thing, he essentially gives her a Christian blessing. You know, he does the sign yeah. of the cross over, you're reinstated. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. I thought that was hysterical. I, 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 I really, you know, he characterizes himself as a dipshit from Chicago, and I'm really digging that characterization. Of yeah, it. agreed. So, but uh, so you know the uh, w- the Intrepid USS Intrepid arrives mm. to uh, you know escort Titan back to uh, Starfleet, and you know address some of the concerns that that have occurred and beaming over from uss titan is one commander row Commander well, no, Ro she Laren. did not beam over the oh that's right took that's a shuttle right. over that that's was right. a very she, important she, element she, of the story were, sorry you are absolutely correct <laughs> I, I apologize for my error uh yeah she comes over on shuttle commander row laren formerly uh ensign row laren and uh traitor to starfleet because she abandoned her post to uh hook up with the maquis back in the day you know betraying one jean-luc picard and uh you know so there's a lot of baggage between those two you know uh he he feeling betrayed she, you know, feeling spurned by him and, you know, not appreciated for the decisions that she made. And I thought through the episode they had some great moments together. And I think I've got to stop and say Ro Laren is absolutely one of my favorite Star Trek characters. Uh, she was only in like, you know, seven episodes of Next Generation but really left an indelible mark on the franchise. Her character was so out of left field mm-hmm. for the way, for the way Star Trek was telling stories at the time. In fact, you know, her character is the basis for Kieran Reese in Deep Space Nine, my beloved Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know, uh, Michelle Forbes, who plays Ro Laren, uh, turned that role down. They offered, they offered her the female lead for Deep Space Nine. And she's like, eh. I don't want to do Star Trek quite so much. And uh, so uh, that's when we got uh, Kieran Reese, uh, who is also just a fantastic out-of-left-field kind of character for Star Trek. Um, I just really appreciate Ro Laren, and a lot of that's got to do with the fact with how much I appreciate Michelle Forbes. Uh, you know, and she very much brings her Admiral Kane badassery from Battlestar Galactica to this episode mm-hmm. of uh, Star Trek Picard. And I was just like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that uh, of all the, you know, most of the cameos, or I shouldn't say cameos, we know we know about a lot of the returning cast, but we did not know about this one. That's right. This is one of the ones that Terry Metallis says we haven't revealed all of the guest stars who are coming this season. And I just, what a marvelous job they did of keeping this secret. Yeah. 
which was, I mean, I mean, it just and in such a big, big part of this show, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if she wasn't a cameo. Looking, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. she wasn't a cameo in the bar. She was a fundamental part of the story, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's great, you know, when you can do that and you know, really get to spend some time with her because that's what you want, right? You you want to be able to spend time with these with these glorious characters that you've missed so much from a TV show from what. 35, 40 years ago, however long it yeah. is. I mean, it's been a long damn time since we've seen this person on the screen. And they did her right, Paul. Yeah. You know, at no point did I say, that's not my instant row. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing, Star Trek? Uh, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I mean, and of course, we, we you have this moment where, you know, she is is acting so out of character from the person we know. But, of course, we know life has happened, you know, since we last saw her. But she's acting so out of character. You're like, is she a changeling? Well, and that's what we discover while she's interrogating Jean-Luc Picard. You know, kind of, it's it, you know, what's what's one, I, one of the things I appreciate so much about the show is we ask a question and they already have an answer. Because last week, Aaron, yeah. you had described the new change, the, you know, the new changeling special effects as eh, it's like bloody and icky and mucusy right. versus how it used yeah. to look. It's actually explained in this episode why That's the right. changelings look different. Yeah, you know, because they they can replicate the internal organs as well. Yeah. They they bleed human, you know, human esque blood that can pass the uh, the DNA test or the you know the you know used to when a changeling would bleed right in a matter of moments it would reform back to their original goo and it doesn't do that anymore it holds its shape and so like the bodies that are down in the infirmary you know are all holding their shape even though they are changelings in fact jack kills four changelings that attack that that try to apprehend him in the hallway Mm -hmm. and you know he uh (laughs) He kills them all, and in a moment later, you know, when he's having a quiet moment later, where he's, you know, talking to Dr. Crusher, and she's like, she's like, what's going on with you? You know, how did you know that those four were changelings? He's like, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> there is something really wrong with me. And, you know, the vision that he's hap- having, I don't know, Paul, if you've have listened really closely to, uh, 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 what that voice is saying in those visions. Yeah, like come home or something. Connect us. Connect us. Connect us. And the voice is Beverly Crusher. Mm. Yeah. Or Gates McFadden. I mean, one or the other. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's intentionally uh, Beverly, but it is Gates McFadden doing the reading of Connect Us. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if the changelings are somehow infecting people to become this weird changeling. You know, maybe that's I mean, that's kind of what I feel like with Jack. Right. Is that is he somehow become changeling? I feel like what I'm what I'm thinking might be happening with Jack could be wrong, but I'm feeling like what may be happening with Jack is that Jack has and and why they are so interested in Jack Mm -hmm. is that Jack may have some type of ability, whether natural or not, to identify who who is a changeling. Mm. And I believe the visions he's seeing may be reactions to that when a changeling is near or because, you know, he had a vision right when he had, you know, took down those four right. changelings. Right. So I, I'm beginning to wonder if that's maybe his thing. And that's maybe. why they want I, him because they, he can identify them, whereas other people cannot. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I haven't got any kind of reasonable theory about what, what the hell is going on with Jack because I am too stunned by the fact that I like Jack. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I have to say, I, I, I really like how the actor is playing this character. I, I really expected that I would not like this character because every child of a major Starfleet character that we have ever seen in this show has always been a douchebag. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I just, <laughs> I keep waiting for him to walk on the bridge with a sweater tied around his shoulders. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just, <laughs> just, you know. I, I just I, I keep expecting to hate him, but I like this guy and I like him. I've seen in interviews with him off camera and I like him, too. And, Paul, we get some great war fighting in this. We episode do. We do. With Rafi. Yeah. How did that happen? I, How did that happen that I enjoyed a scene with Rafi? I mean, the, the Rafi, Rafi is so much more exponentially watchable when Worf oh is on God. screen. I mean, there is this uh, this part of my head going, you know, I think I would watch a, a Worf and Rafi buddy cop show. No, let's not go that far. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I – and, you know, I felt like something terrible was going to happen in this episode. And so I started looking around at, you know, who are the vulnerable characters. And I'm like, well, I guess they, maybe they killed Jack off this episode. And, you know, Jack off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, oh, my God, you know, and there's that scene where, where Worf gets stabbed in the side. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to, they kill Worf. I am, I am going to riot. I'm like, they're you not going to kill I mean, Worf that way. But you never know. I mean, I because while I trust Terry Metalis, I also trust the fact that Star Trek screws me from time to time. Fair. And and I have gotten so many awesome things it wouldn't surprise me to see things go off the rails at this uh, at this moment. But you know, I it broke my heart when Roe dies at the end of the episode. Yeah, spoilers. Um, Roe pops in and then sacrifices <laughs> herself to, to to give the um, the Titan a, a chance to escape. And let me tell you something, uh, very satisfying end to the character, I thought. I mean, I hate to see her go, I'm saddened by it. Uh, but very satisfying, heroic end. And, you know, uh, I always think back to the, to the, to, to the major character death that never, that doesn't work, never worked and, and still doesn't work is, uh, that of Captain Kirk, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, this was Roe dying in action, sacrificing herself, and, you know, the other one is, you know, Captain Kirk dying under a bridge. So, but uh, I, I just, I, I really thought this episode was great. I, I loved every bit of this episode. Yeah, I, I, it really was. It was just a fantastic episode. I, you know, I, I feel like I say this, but now I feel like, you know, last week may have been the best episode so far of, of modern live action Star Trek. I feel like this episode right. was better, especially because yeah. of the initial tension when you don't know if Roe is a, is right. a changeling or not. Yeah. And then, no, you know, no, but, I, then I, but then the, the interaction, the, the moments, the, the drama that she has with Captain Picard, you know, it's not it's not a it's not technology that unveiled right. That she yeah, it wasn't Trekno Babble. No, right? it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, you know, we interfaced the Matrix, and uh, you know, we were able to bring in the the Meta Warpulator, uh, <laughs> you know, to solve the problem. It was people solving problems, yeah. and it was real stakes. Uh, I I I dug it. I dug it. I loved it. The, the, Terry Metalis and his his uh, team of writers have done a remarkable job with villains. You know, we've got Vatic already, and then we get this new Vulcan gangster. Yeah, I loved Vulcan gangster guy. You know, <laughs> this would be logical. Well, and that's um, uh, that was Kirk Acevedo from Fringe, right? I yeah. Was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved that's it. Exciting. I loved it. Yeah, I thought I thought the whole thing was great. It's just a terrific episode. And the only complaint I have is I know Lavar Burton's coming next episode. Oh, how do we but know? Man, that? 
Well, because I just think that's where they're going to introduce him. I just think it's likely. Uh, But uh, also, I think, I thought I saw something about uh, Jordy and his daughter for the next episode. Um, I think that's how I know that. But, you know, LeVar Burton's coming next episode, we think. And, I mean, he only gets to be in the the back half of this series. uh, And we still haven't seen Deanna other than on a, on a screen. So I just, I hate that for our characters. But, you know, I mean, I feel like I have not been as much as I am very interested in seeing those characters. I don't feel like we have um, the show has been absent them. I feel like there's no, been enough meat on the bone. Yeah. That, that, you know, yeah. uh, next when they do come come in, it'll be it'll be nice. I think we're agreed. It's, um, yes, I, I, we are. We are at the halfway point. We are barreling towards the second half and the end of Star Trek Picard. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I think I loved everything that was on the screen this week. I agree. And I mean, I was I couldn't get over how much I was enjoying the Worf and Rafi stuff. You know what's funny? Like this is this is the way we want to talk about Star Trek. This is why we're on a Star Trek podcast. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, that's exactly. So right. make the, I mean, do more of this. Yes, please, plus. please, please, please. Yeah, it's great stuff. So I'm I'm looking forward to next week. Next week, looking forward to talking to you about next week's. Uh, Next week's Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 6. Have no idea what it's called, but we want to know what you thought of Star Trek Picard, what you thought of the Star Trek comics this week. Give us a call, 682-800-3494. That number, once again, 682-800-3494. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Well, hey, Paul, let's do this again next week. Yeah, I think we should. All right, we will see you then. Bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 682-800-3494. Dribble wrangling provided by... Try Scullion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 